everybody, and welcome to the Future Break Podcast. I'm your host, Peter. And I'm your co-host, Serge. And this is the podcast where we discuss emerging technology, human behavior, and what it all means for the future. Episode 12. 12. Yep. We're back, everybody. We're back in the studio and ready to record our new episode, tackling a new issue. Uh, that we have definitely been hinting about for the past, mm-hmm. it seems like, two episodes. Um, thanks for everybody listening for in last week. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again for for checking out that short episode. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, we, we just recorded it because I was, I was actually out of town. And so um, we thought it'd be a good idea just to kind of um, introduce what we're going to talk about a little bit. And then also... Um, you know, welcome our first sponsor, which is Cotton Bureau. So again, we want to say thank you to Cotton Bureau for sponsoring our podcast. Uh, you can find out more about them on futurebreak.net slash CB. And then Indeed. you'll be taken to their site. So, Indeed, yes. A lot of good stuff there. Absolutely. Go and check them out. Yep. So I, I was telling you, Peter, before the show, I have an idea for a new segment. And I don't know how often we'll pull this out. Sometimes there's these things that you just you read and you're like, what in the world? It's like this is this is this is too hard not to talk about. Yeah, and, and I actually I I kind of gasped when I read this article. So I'm calling this segment WTFB, <laughs> what the future break. So again, we've we've uh, you guys know about WikiLeaks. You guys know that uh, they they leak all these information out from governments and you know all kinds of uh people and uh, there was a leak recently and this is the crazy part so we this ties perfectly into what we've been talking about before and the leak was the cia planned to hack cars and trucks to carry out undetectable assassinations and when i read that i'm like oh my goodness are you kidding me yeah, I uh, I remember you like telling me about this the day I'll be like you can't, you can't check it and read into this, and yeah, it's it's you know I've I've begun to understand like it's it would be hard not to think that this is not possible, just right. partly because everything we've talked about with automation of cars, right? Um, you know what this did remind me a little bit of a future forecast i talked about when we talked about with the uh that's right episode three i want to say of future breakdown was that yeah um of uh the john deere ownership of like being saying i can only i'm we're the only ones who can like work on your combine and other vehicle makers doing that but like the concept of hey um is there some way you could manipulate the system so that you could like affect all these combines to oh let's say try to make it undetectable like a 10 percent reduction in yield or something Mm -hmm. like that and what does that do then to the whole economy of food Mm -hmm. at that level Mm um i don't know this once again this sounds like conspiracy theory and all that type of stuff but nonetheless the concept is is something that does have to be like addressed because it's a software so would you would you put this out of the realm of of things that our government would do? Honestly, I don't think so. 
I don't. Not just our government. I, I think I any think government, any government yeah. would and could do this. Um, again, not to sound conspir- conspiratorial here, but um, there is a political advantage in some some cases. I think mm-hmm. that you know you get rid of this person, this person that's just a pain in the neck, and you make it look so. You know, just benign, something so simple, car accident, it's a tragedy. But it actually was a politically motivated assassination. And my, so that's one part of it. I think my my question is, what kind of cars does this entail? Is it, is it, is it the new electric cars only? Is it, can, can they hack my car? You know what I mean? Like. I drive a 2001 car, and right. so it's it's a little older, but can they hack my car? Because my car does have a computer in there and does have, um, you know, certain parts that potentially could be hackable, but is that the aim? I, I don't know. I think one thing to just realize is that if you have a computer that has some sort of GPS technology or back in the day, you know, the OnStar type thing, yeah, like a location yeah. pinpoint... Mm-hmm. I think they'd be silly to think that 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 could not be um, tied into. The 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 one thing here that um, at least, and this is, by the way, this is not in regards to this article, but what we do know, and I remember this, is there have been people who have been been able to showcase the fact that they've been able to turn off, let's say, uh, was a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Uh, back in the day, yeah, Jeep Cherokee, 20, 2014 Jeep Cherokee, Chris Velasek, um, he, be able, he was able to turn the steering wheel and briefly disable the brakes and shut down the engine. Wow. Um, hmm. And that was and that was the thing where eventually Fiat Chrysler recalled 1.4 million vehicles um, to look at that. And, because and it, of that. Because of that. And, well, if you think about it, if you have a computer that's tied to your entertainment system console, and mm-hmm. nowadays the entertainment console system has things like Wi-Fi and uh, um, other things that just probably aren't, you know, typically safeguarded like our desktop computers are even, and even we know that those can be hacked, right? So, yeah, um, that's that's something that is very important. There's but other things where people have been able to somehow amplify the range on the car of like for wireless starters. Oh, okay. And been able to amplify the range on the car and then be able to piggyback on the actual key to start it. Wow. And you, technically you could drive off with the vehicle yeah. or like a wireless key fob type thing. That's what that is. Sorry. So they get in the vehicle. Anyways. Um, yeah. Uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> The entertainment system is basically the thing where people are suspecting this. And there's been other some things where people have been talking about maybe this has been a potential hack, ironically, into the BlackBerry system, which used to be like, mm. quote unquote, the most secure the thing. The most secure, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, anyways. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. And so I was like, we, we need to talk about that. Yeah, that, I think that, so. I mean, this is this is this is one of those things where... We're excited about the future of automation of cars and stuff like that. Yeah. 
but this is literally kind of like the fear of of many people of um you know i don't know or is is it called like a dead man switch is that what the phrase is where like you you revert back to the old thing uh that's that's more of like if you get shot for example you, there's a switch that detonates something else that detonates something else. okay so i don't know if that's but like some sort thinking. of kill switch to kill the automation portion if that's even possible yeah. i don't know that that's even possible in like some of these i think it's anymore. so baked into the software yeah it'd be the so car difficult so much to, yeah it'd be difficult to turn off the automation part of it but i, I think it's just a it's, it's a sobering reminder that you know these things are not these things are still in their infancy yes. you know the the hacks and the um the, the the computers and the cars and and how we you know how they're more and more part of the car mm-hmm. so i think automakers will just have to really keep an eye on this and and be you know well ahead of the hackers and if even at even if that hacker is our own government <laughs> yes you know so it's very anyways stuff so that's the wtfb segment that that we want to talk about real quick <laughs> on to our next to our actual main topic our main here. topic do you remember peter when i told you about this i do <laughs> and i remember studying it and just feeling like my head hurt all the time yeah yeah and it was hard not to keep studying it though yeah i remember we had a we were sharing articles for for a good week or two about about uh this topic and and it was like you said like you, your head just hurts just thinking about the possibilities and yep. and all the stuff so uh today we're going to talk about something called blockchain 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 indeed this is this has been something we've been waiting to kind of bring out because it's like i said it's it's one of those things that we want to make sure that it's understandable for people mm-hmm because even ourselves are still wrapping well yeah we're still learning about this for Absolutely. sure and it's it's kind of intense um once you start thinking about the ramifications of and the and the cool i mean there's a coolness factor in this thing too that's unbelievable so yes so what are what are blockchains serge well that requires a little bit of an answer for you here but um so essentially blockchains are um they are basically a distributed database so what that means is you're not having one person that has a database of all the all the records so let's say you you have a gmail account right mm-hmm. gmail or google owns the database of your gmail account yes okay so what a distributed database is is it really duplicates that database and no one person or no one company no one government owns that so it's spread out or distributed throughout the entire global network right okay Okay. so that's kind of stuff public like a public um some people might understand open source almost like data i mean not open source but like a public database yeah, yeah multiple multiple points yeah okay you know the other word that's been used is a, it's a public ledger 
So you know, yeah. you go to the bank and you say, "What's my what's my balance?" And they right. show you a ledger. So here's you know here's this withdrawal or here's this deposit. Here's what your balance was afterwards. And so, in, in a sense, a blockchain is a public ledger that anyone can look at. You're not looking at necessarily financial like balances, things like that, but right. you're looking at transactions. So if you can see it, it would be like a three column thing. So we, we would have a one column is the Bitcoin is sent from, or the, the blockchain goes from one person to another person and the amount. And you have that, like that basically stamped into the records. And so, um, I'm jumping ahead of myself here a little bit. So let's let's kind of walk through yeah. I let's kind of walk through what it how it works and really how the the blockchain is the underlying foundation of another technology that you've heard of. It's it's called Bitcoin. Yep. So um But they are not but Bitcoin is not okay, blockchain is not Bitcoin. Correct. Blockchain. Well, we want to make that distinction right off the bat. Yeah. Blockchain yeah. is the technology that supports Bitcoin. Bitcoin yes. is a digital or cryptocurrency is what they call it. Yep. So um, so let's say this. I want to request, I want to send you some Bitcoin that's using the blockchain platform. So what we do is I submit a request using, um, they, they have digital wallets, different things like that, where you can go online you just, you create an account with this, like Coinbase is one, for example. Um, and then I can say, send Peter, let's say, 0.25 Bitcoin. Right. And so what that works is well, the the request is sent out and sent out to the, the peer-to-peer network. So it's sent out to what we talked about, this distributed network of people and computers all over the world to start processing it. And that network is known as nodes. So um, there's, you know, if you can think about it like a, like a node tree where you've got, you know, the something coming down and then you've got these little things that kind of sprout out from the main point. So it's known as nodes and they interconnect with each other. And what the nodes do is they validate the transaction using the, you know, using essentially solving math problems. So there's really high you know, high impact math problems that that's part of this. And these nodes or computers solve these problems. And then if once, once all of them start solving them, that verifies the transaction. And so basically what that does is, um, combines all the transactions. So let's say there's a chunk of 10 minutes, right? So in 10 minutes, all the transactions that have been, verified and that have been actually um, validated from the nodes, they are chunked together and it's called a block. And that's where we hear hear the word blockchain. Okay. So let me see if I can okay, stop put, me. The, put, the, put, put this back out there at you then. Yeah. All right. So even... So I want to send you money. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go that route. I want to send you money. Yep. I... I log on into okay, well, it's okay. We'll just call this an access point, a website, whatever, a system of some sort, right? Yep. All right. I say I want to send Surge. Um, I know we're talking about Bitcoin, but let's just say I want to send you thirty bucks. Yeah, three hundred bucks. 
30 bucks. So I say, do this. And what happens is when I say that, it initiates um, initiates the transfer. And what happens is that now become instead of it going like to a uh, third-party source, can I say PayPal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. a good example, yep. So instead of going to PayPal, who's got access to my funds and access to your funds to th- theoretically make yep. that transfer... This goes out and it and it says, okay, um, it goes out to multiple places, unlike one spot like a PayPal. Yeah. It goes um, out to multiple places that start to verify that verify that I have the money, if I understand that correctly. Yep. Yep. And then they also are beginning to Well, let me stop you. Sorry. Yep. They don't verify that you have the money. They just they start working on the the math problem with that's that's attached to to this transaction essentially because there's there's a and by math problem what we're saying is there's a level of of uh secrecy or encryption mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help keep things secure exactly right exactly yes. um which actually if to try to make this clear to people it's uh you know there's been this age old thing right now where it's like Okay, well, I've got my credit cards on my phone now. What does yeah. that mean, yeah. right? So, um, trying to, and Apple says we don't know your credit card number, right? Or they're at least doing their best to say they don't. And yeah. and um, that isn't that isn't like a, a knock on Apple or anything like that at all. I'm just saying like there's this level of you have your credit card number, you push it out, and then and then um, there's a level there's encryption that makes that that transfer happen in our, our normal day lives right now. This, though, is another level of that where this is going out to multiple places. Right. Okay. And the first person or the first node that solves this problem actually gets basically a transaction fee. It's called Bitcoin mining. Interesting. So they get okay. a... Yeah, they get a cut of... not Not of the money that you send, but they basically have a way that's how they make money as well so they get a like a point something something bitcoin added to themselves for using their computer power their energy to solve this crypto problem or just a point something something fee yeah yeah exactly right? they get yeah. a fee for for solving it the cool thing is other other computers solve the same transaction and so um you want to be first obviously because you're going to get paid um, and so th- they have, there have been shops that have set up. I know we had one in town actually that uh, they were they're just a Bitcoin mining company. That's all they do, and you can rent their computers and you can just try to try to make some extra Bitcoin because you're trying to yeah because you're trying to verify trying to solve the math problem. Yep. To make sure. Okay. So okay. However, here's here's the deal though that makes us. Um, Bitcoin or um, oh, wow, blockchain, blockchain mm-hmm. unique is what happens when I make that transaction and and then this node verifies things um, or solves solves the math problem. When they realize everything is in order, then then that locks that transaction happens and now that gets spread across the rest of the nodes. Correct? Yeah. Yep. Like that. So, in, in other words, it's not just um, like one ledger on a PayPal. Yeah. It's a ledger across the internet, basically. Yeah. Millions and millions, millions of and millions points. Of millions. Yeah. And this is why this is supposed to be 
to a certain extent, secure and very, very hack-proof. Yeah. So, like, for example, that, that example of that 30 bucks, let's say you yep. that transaction gets verified. You have your from account going to, to my to account and the, the value of the Bitcoin or whatever it is. That blockchain is then added to... Uh, it's combined with other transactions, so they batch it like whatever, like ten minutes, let's say, and then they they basically put it into a block of data, and that they add to the ledger. So they the ledger has started. I think it was two thousand eight is when Bitcoin was invented and this whole blockchain, and so this ledger keeps growing and growing and growing, and they keep storing these blocks into, and that's why they call it the blockchain because it's like a chain. And so the, the crazy secure part of this is you can go back to, let's just say, August 1st, 2009, and you can look at all the transactions that happened on that day. Yeah, that's that's the crazy part about this. Yeah, it's public. It's publicly once available. It's, once that block of data happens, that, oh, Peter did send Surge $30, yep. that's locked. Yep. And, and just like a chain, like a chink in a chain this is where i understood like holy cow this is where i understand why this is so hard to manipulate is that gets locked exactly and the thing is is there's not enough time now for somebody to go back and try to number one like mess that up because what happened is is the ledger's updated and then john just sent sally fifty dollars and locked that on top of that is that right yeah yep. yep and so you that transaction of me sending the search you could even try to let's even say you, you try to even say okay i'm going to manipulate to say that no i didn't say send uh send surge 30 dollars the problem is it's like you can't you can't update all those notes right fast enough yeah that's where uh and in my little understanding my not understanding but like that the complexity of this is is still really amazing but but like the simplicity of that it's not it's so hard to imagine somebody being able to do this to basically update m- potentially millions of nodes if i understand this correctly it's not possible really yeah yeah and so like this prevents forgery yeah this prevents double spending. So, you you know, sometimes I've had it where, like, I swipe my card once. Oh, I don't know if I got it. I swiped it again. And then I look at my bank account. Well, it's charged twice. This prevents it completely because this is a unique, you know, it has to get verified. And then if they see a, they see a double, you it, it's, it's just a lot harder to forge and make, you know, in ways into the blockchain and, and try to mess with it. Right. So, like, if I wanted to go in and change the number, so let's say you sent me 0.025 Bitcoin two hours ago. If I wanted to go back in there and change it to to 2.5 Bitcoin, which is a lot of money right now. Right. <laughs> By the way, and we, what I would have to do is go back to the the blockchains that have been added since that point that you sent it to me. Exactly. And hack every one of those just to get to yours. So so you can start thinking to about... To get to your chink in the chain. Exactly. So yep. you can start thinking about like, this is just pretty much impossible to hack 
and go in there forge and do anything like that with with the blockchains so i it's 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 a lot of technical stuff that we talked about but i hope this is a good and decent understanding we actually have a video that um want to queue up peter here we're about, gonna, bit, about bitcoin yeah right? yep it's about bitcoin and, and it's a little bit simplistic understanding but this might this might help out with kind of understanding where we're coming from and again bitcoin is the the currency on top of blockchains which is the back-end system yes. and and we want to make want to make sure that you understand there are other currencies outside of that that are oh, yeah. similar to bitcoin cryptocurrencies yep um, Bitcoin is the one that most everybody knows about, though. So, okay, here we go. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is the first decentralized digital currency. Bitcoins are digital coins you can send through the Internet. Compared to other alternatives, Bitcoins have a number of advantages. Bitcoins are transferred directly from person to person via the net without going through a bank or clearinghouse. This means that the fees are much lower. You can use them in every country. Your account cannot be frozen. And there are no prerequisites or arbitrary limits. Let's look at how it works. Several currency exchanges exist where you can buy and sell bitcoins for dollars, euros, and more. Your bitcoins are kept in your digital wallet on your computer or mobile device. Sending bitcoins is as simple as sending an email. And you can purchase anything with bitcoin. The bitcoin network is secured by individuals called miners. Miners are rewarded newly generated bitcoins for verifying transactions. After transactions are verified, they are recorded in a transparent public ledger. Bitcoin opens up a whole new platform for innovation. The software is completely open source and anyone can review the code. Bitcoin is changing finance the same way the web changed publishing. When everyone has access to a global market, great ideas flourish. Bitcoins are a great way for businesses to minimize transaction fees. It doesn't cost anything to start accepting them, and it's easy to set up. There are no chargebacks, and you'll get additional business from the Bitcoin economy. For more information about Bitcoin, visit weusecoins.com. Yeah, so that's that's a great little video cool. about Bitcoin explained in 90 seconds. I mean, I, yeah. I hope that makes makes a little bit more sense. Um. But yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of things with with Bitcoin, and 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 really blockchains. Um, so, what are? I, I feel like we're hearing more and more about Bitcoin. The price as of today, can you can you pull that up here, Peter? Yes, I can. Yeah. I think it's 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 quite significant. As of today, wow, wow. yeah. Eleven hundred seventy-seven dollars and ninety-nine cents. Yeah, that's one Bitcoin equals that. So, um, the thing that makes it so so pricey is is Bitcoin is a finite material. There's only so many. Think about it, like as digital coins created, and so it's it's kind of like gold, hmm. and you've got. You got a finite amir- commodity, finite, yeah, finite commodity right. of it. So you you won't be able to just keep making it and printing it and just boom, you know. So, um, yeah. So it's it's got a it's got it's got a lot of value to it. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple different applications for for Bitcoin and, and where I think we can we can head out there. But first, yeah. Um, 
who is Satoshi Nakamoto? That is a great question. <laughs> Satoshi Nakamoto. That's the name you'll find out is the person who, or persons, right. who created yeah. blockchain and Bitcoin. So it, it yeah. looks like in 2008, they they published this article and this, essentially this version of blockchain was was made around 2009. And so they, um, they created Bitcoin at that point and they made it open source. And there's a whole article that we'll link up to who people think, you know, who, who people think is Satoshi or they're trying to guess who that person or that group of people are. So it's kind of interesting that nobody really knows. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really knows who this person is or persons to your point. Yeah. The one interesting fact that I found is um, how rich is he or they or she. Um, there's an, an analysis done by by Sergio Lerner that uh, suggests that Satoshi mined many of the early blocks in the Bitcoin network and that he has built up a fortune of around 1 million unspent Bitcoins. Whoa. <laughs> 1 million unspent Bitcoins. So he's a billionaire right he's now. He's a billionaire, yeah. Just for solving some math problems, Peter. How easy could it be? Yeah. You know? Hmm. But, yeah, so that's uh, Satoshi. I wanted to look at a couple things, though, um, about Bitcoin and when what you can start really doing with with the Bitcoin and, and kind of how... Um, how our world can change, I think, with with some of the Bitcoin and some of the stuff that we've talked about. Um, so there's a couple companies out there that are already working on solutions for for using blockchains in their systems. So I think like banks, for example, that makes okay. a lot of sense for banks. Yeah. So just to quickly back up. Yeah. So we're talking about applications for blockchain or Bitcoin. Sorry, blockchain. 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 My bad. Yes. No. <clears throat> yeah. So, so like banks, they have they have a reason to start using this because it's centralized. They can, you know, again, right. they, or decentralized. They can really make sure, and, and it's going to speed up their process, and they don't have to go through a processor. They go through a processor. It can be just quick from one account to another account. Yeah. You know. And there's a certain extent. There's a little bit of a. I remember studying this. Some banks like the idea of a public ledger. Yeah. Right? Um, that basically all banks share the same ledger. Yeah. Where this becomes a little tricky, though, is if I understand correctly, <clears throat> everyone has access to the public ledger, not necessarily just the banks. And so it makes them a little bit more difficult to be able to be in control and or make some make some money off of that. Because technically any institution or person maybe even would have access to that ledger. Is that right? Yeah, but I think again you're you're not really spilling out the secrets of how many what is in the account. And it's all hidden behind numbers too. So you don't right. know who number whatever, you know, it's a big string of numbers is and so it's all this amount of money or Bitcoin or whatever is transferred from one account to the other account. So I think it's okay to have it public for the banks, again, because it does 
it does have that decentralized and and think about this like you have an account with one bank right and then your friend has an account with another bank right if it's all public you could just say transfer 20 bucks from my account to that person boom yeah. it's done yeah. there's no like back and forth there's no clearing house nope there's no like you have to you know right back in the day you just write a check and that goes through a whole process and it's you know you, the amount of money that it takes to process that check is right. is crazy that's very true you know <laughs> yeah your your payroll on friday is technically initiated on wednesday if i'm not mistaken type thing right? yeah so yeah that makes a lot of sense yeah. yeah um one other thing that i thought was interesting is we've we've talked about this in the past you and i but blockchain even outside of currency things like um just contracts in yeah. general right so like a locked contract that you can go back and access and um i know nowadays we kind of have this like um uh, did you make a copy you know type thing right <laughs> yeah. you know this is this would you version, like a copy of the verizon contract version 1.1.1.2 you know, like well where this is kind of a, a lock lock in the lock in the chain and you can't go back can't go back and manipulate it yeah or photoshop it or anything like that um yeah i i this is it's it's exciting stuff um at times it can be a little bit you know the the detail of how this all works is a little bit overwhelming at times mhm uh and i don't want to interrupt any more of your there's were there's any other ideas that you were thinking about yeah okay yeah and you're not you're not interrupting me at no. all peter don't <laughs> don't worry about that <laughs> um the one thing that i thought this this is okay so we had the elections recently and you had a lot of you know um i think president trump's talked about voter fraud and things like that and right and we hear that pretty much every election cycle you know people people get upset or people are like well what's you know, there's people that that are dead that voted, for example. Right. Like you hear about that. And our, yeah, that's right. And our voting system our is voter so identification system. Yeah. Yeah. So they, there's laws that are trying to say, well, we need ID at the polling place. You know, you you go cash a check, they're going to ask you for ID. You can't get a check cashed without an ID. So there's things like that. There's you know, and we're not going to get into the politics of all that, yeah. but um, one way that that blockchains could solve the voting problem or the uh you know the perception of that i guess is through through the blockchains themselves so can you imagine <laughs> a couple years down the road we all log into usavote.com or .gov or something like that right you verify yourself through you know either your social media account or whatever you you create a username password and you cast your ballot. That's it. And it takes probably 30 seconds. You don't have to wait in line. You just go on uh, online and you make a vote. And the the blockchain is what records your vote. And that's how you have the... the so you're transferring value of your vote to the blockchain or to the candidate or whatever. Can other people see my vote then? Absolutely. But they'll see it. It's going to be scrambled. They're not going to know who you who your digit is or who your number who your number is, right? But this would be an immediate way. And think about the implications too. You're not going to have to wait till a recount of a recount of a recount. 
be unaffected by weather. Unaffected by weather. You still could have polling places. Or, or your physical situation at the time, right? Yeah. Are you in the hospital or like you bedridden for some odd reason? Yep. You still so. could have polling places and I think we, st- we still would. It's just when you get to the polling place, you have a row of computers or iPads and you sign in if you want to. You know, you sign in and bam, there you go. And people would help people create accounts. And, and so I think we just, we take that. And I don't know, that, that to me, that seems really powerful. That you can decentralize the voting. And, and there's, uh, there's obviously a lot of political issues and thoughts and states' rights and all that stuff yeah. as part of this. But one can dream of that, you know? Well, and that could still be a part of the yeah. encryption. Like, X person voted from X state... Yeah. For why? There's something called the Bit Congress. I'm, I'm reading about this. Um, started by a guy named Morgan Rockwell. And basically the idea is they that users of this Bit Congress receive uh, vote tokens that they used to vote. Hmm. And so um, it's, again, there's a lot of advantages. So it creates that permanent record. You know, they're easily allows anyone to to vote on topics anywhere they have uh information on and can the vote token can only be spent once so again there's that that security you you can only vote once right and so you're not going to have people voting twice or or three times by accident or or whatever the recount you know like some of the voting stuff i voted in two states i think okay and they were so different and they were just complete like you have to you have to really know your state's ballot system for it to for you to understand how to how to vote. Some states have a fill in the blank. Some states have a punch card. Some I mean, there's just so many different variables to it, you know. So that's that's another option of of uh, things that can can be impacted by by blockchains. There's just a lot of options. Yeah. Um. I think the the one thing here to take away is I, I still think to myself, is there some way to get around some of this stuff hmm. uh, at some point in time? I always liken it to the siege engine versus the castle. As one got bigger, the other got bigger. Sure. Of course, we no longer fight with siege engines and castles. <laughs> um, and mostly it's all siege. <laughs> Basically, if you think about like bombs and whatnot but yeah um but uh this is one of those things where i don't know you want to talk about high level capabilities is there somebody's like i'm going to attempt to change a record and like spend be focused on trying to figure out if there's a way he can do that because once again we talked about once a once it's locked it's you know, there's other transactions now on top of that that you got to undo those transactions yeah. to get to your transaction. That's yeah. really highly unlikely. Um, it seems like 99.9 to the infinity percent chance that that's even possible. But, yeah. But you never know. Um, completely. I still think this is one thing where I've been, as we've been researching it, people have been stating this still is a little bit in its infancy. It is. Infancy. Yep. Uh, and so we have yet to see some of the things. But going back to some of this, one article I did read, the CIA 
found out who stole $25 million, essentially, which probably be worth more now in Bitcoin back wow. in the day. Do tell, Peter. It's a TED Talk. You can, we'll try to make sure we link it up in the show notes. But uh, the this gal who works for the CIA talked about how this guy had been, his name was like, I don't know, NFB or something like that online. And he is... He had control over all this Bitcoin, like I said, $25 million worth of it at the time. And there were two agents that were trying to figure out who he was because there was some level of, you know, not some good things happening, I guess, uh, from this guy. Mm -hmm. Well, turns out those double agents, there was also now a third party that was affecting, excuse me, I I kind of highlighted what happened. They were double agents, basically. Okay. Because what happened was this guy, it was in the middle. He was keeping a secrecy with all this money, right? Mm-hmm. And, but all of a sudden, there was now a third person that was forcing him to pay somebody to keep his secrecy. Mm. Okay. And at the same time, he was paying somebody else to try and understand what the CIA was looking into him for. Okay, so there's this, you know, web up and web down from this guy. (laughs) Eventually, he gets caught, and he gets arrested, and the next day, $25 million of Bitcoin disappears. Wow. And nobody knows who has it. Well, it turns out there were double agents involved that had actually taken the money, and when this one company released its blockchain public record... Okay. They were able to piece together because you can't go back and change this people. That's right. Who who it was, and they were able to figure out. Okay, um, somebody had taken the money that had been investigating this person to begin with. So, very very interesting. I think it's a great story to, that I can't do justice. That uh, I can let somebody else. I'll let this gal uh, teach it if you want. You know? Yeah, yeah. Definitely check out the. The show notes in that it's so. it's it's fantastic yeah one thing that that uh i think we're going to start wrapping up here yeah. one thing that um i wanted to point out was the government of georgia so the state of georgia or the the country of georgia rather in the in europe right okay by russia over there um they committed to using a uh basically to using the Bitcoin network or the blockchain to validate property related government transactions. Wow. So yeah, so this is um, government transactions. Yep. So this is um, last year in 2016, the government and and Bitcoin hardware and software firm Bitfury group, Mm. um, they launched a project to register land titles via a private blockchain, which is basically that, Again, that tamper-proof ledger that we right. talked about. Yep. And then to make those transactions verifiable using the blockchain system, which is public. So that, to me, is another great example of how blockchains can make the government or make make so much sense in what we're, what can we can apply to. Right. You've got, you know, I'm buying a house. The deed has to go from... Yes. Somebody that, that is a great market for this, and it has to go to somebody else, right? So if mm-hmm. I'm in the house, it has to come from the buyer, go to me directly. You can't forge the deed with this system. You can't 
manipulate it. There's always that public record of, yep, you bought the house. Right. You know, because you gave it up. Because you let's I mean, let's imagine you find some valuable gold in your property or some oil or something like that. I mean, there's people people are greedy and people are going to be trying to get. Well, then we have to go nitty gritty and say, well, did I own mineral lights or did I just own land? Right. (laughs) Yeah. So. Uh, But uh, yeah, so I hope we we kind of explained blockchains and Bitcoin a little bit to you guys. It's 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 still emerging in the sense that we're going to be hearing more about it. And it's a it's a way to get um, all of our. I think just 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 a way to get technology more up to speed and more secure and that's kind of what we're hearing more and more about so any last thoughts from you peter outside of the fact that this is very much an exciting exciting time for this type of concept to be coming out the concept of being able to have a public ledger that is trackable and to certain extent, as far as we can tell by all standards unhackable while also protecting the person's privacy, yeah, that is that is a that is a major leap forward. Yeah, so I think there's still definitely since it's in its infancy, infancy, there's a lot of things uh, that still need to be ironed out. Um, I know that kind of right now there's a lot of, in a way, there's there's public records, but they are still being kind of controlled by a third party system. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. As a, as they're beginning to try different things out. So once, if if the banks would ever do this together and have this nice big public record that everybody could share, that was, I mean, everybody was making transactions on. Yeah. That would be awesome. I yep. think, and I think that would be very very exciting for kind of the safety, and just the economy. I think to yeah make money be be able to be freed up to be spent quicker and things like that. Yeah. Or saved, for that matter. Yeah, by the way, you can actually buy a house and a car and a, a bunch of things with Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's another episode, though. I think we'll talk a little bit about um, some of those yes. uh, applications in the dark web and how all that goes into yeah. into this stuff. But um, yeah, so thank you guys so much for, for checking out Future Break in this episode. Uh, we really appreciate uh, your listenership and... We really enjoy doing this. So um, you can check us out on futurebreak.net. And where else can they find us, Peter? Yes. Um, we head over to Twitter. Future Break Pod is our ad handle name. And you can also find us on Facebook as well. Yep. Search Future Break and you should be able to find our page come up. Anyways, we look forward to having you around again next time. We want to quick do a shout out to everyone who's been listening in. Yes. Um, it's been it's been very encouraging for us to not only hear from some friends and family a little bit about us, but uh, also basically some of the things that we've been able to do. Thanks to Cotton Bureau, for example, for sponsoring us. Exactly. Um, more and more, that we're beginning to understand this, this message is getting out there. More and more people are downloading. Uh, we talked about it last time that CRISPR episode. Yeah. Just continues to just get hit up. <laughs> and uh, um, we're very grateful for that. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Yeah. Um, and head over to iTunes if you have the time. And go ahead and leave us r- rate and review our podcast. We'd love to. Or for that matter, any podcast uh, player that you have, Stitcher or anything like that. So. Exactly. 
All right. All right. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Yep. Bye. See you next week.